Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! Okay, kicking off another episode of the Westside Personalized Podcast, and this episode is coming to you from Edina, Minnesota, where over the course of the last really year or so, Westside has had an opportunity to work with some of our sister schools, uh, both in Edina, Minnesota and Manhattan Beach, California, on our collective collaborative work with personalized learning. And so taking advantage of this opportunity while everybody's in-house or in town, I guess, this weekend in Edina to uh, talk with some of those great personalized educators uh, from across the country here and, and hear some of the stories of the personalized practices that they've uh, been implementing within their districts and classrooms, which has led me to today's chat, which I'm excited for, with Holly Compton. <laughs> Holly, welcome to the Thank podcast. Uh, and for people that don't know you, kind of give us a little background, like where you teach and grade levels and kind of history and education, those, those things. All right. This is my 13th year of teaching. I currently teach in Manhattan Beach, California, although I've taught in Bakersfield and in Ohio with very diverse backgrounds there. And I am the TK, that's transitional kindergarten to fifth grade math coach. And recently I've extended myself into the middle school. So trying out number talks and math with middle schoolers. Dang, wearing a lot of hats then. Like to be able to work at that many. That's a different student, a kindergarten versus sixth grader. Yeah, or really a preschooler. Oh, yeah. (laughs) To to all the way to sixth grade. So you get to see a, a progression of sorts. Uh, what kind of led you into that? I mean, it's a pretty unique position there. So, yeah, what was it that kind of the way you went about class or because you originally were, like would be a classroom teacher, right? A classroom teacher, okay. yeah. So um, it's actually kind of a personal story because I struggled with math my entire life. My mom always said, you know, it's okay. I didn't get it either. You know, it's just kind of like we're not good at math type thing. And so I just really had that fixed mindset that it ran in my genes and that I was kind of just doomed. And then I started to dig a little deeper with my math coach that I had in Ohio. And um, she showed me what a number talk was. And I had never seen a number talk, done a number talk, or really made a connection between numbers. And once I saw a number talk in action, I started to kind of play around with it in my own class with my fifth graders. And I realized that it wasn't that I didn't have the mathematical ability. I just hadn't made certain connections between numbers and their uses. And so I I kind of just started digging a little deeper. And then I realized how confident I was becoming in math and that I could help other people. And um, so... I kind of asked if Manhattan Beach would want to have a math coach and somebody who could kind of help others who were feeling the same way that I had felt before. And so, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, gosh, that's one of my quotes, favorite quotes, and we have it as part of our personal learning training. I'm gonna like butcher this a little bit, but is by Simon Sinek, and it says that the the best ideas are the honest ones, the ones that are born out of personal experience that were originally come across to, to help a few, but ended up helping many. Uh, and this, I'm sort of paraphrasing a little bit there, yeah. but I hear that in your story uh, in that, you know, you were just sort of figuring it out, right? Like for you and for the students you're going to serve. And then all of a sudden now you're serving pre-K through, yeah, yeah. five, six. And so that's yeah. really awesome. And anyone listening to this podcast, because we're about right. to get into some number talks talk. <laughs> all right. And it's going to be good. So 
number talks, what what is that, I guess, to kind of like give us just an intro in case, like you, you said, I didn't know, you didn't know what those were. I'm not super familiar with those either, other than yes. what I had a chance to learn, you know, through our conversation. So um, for somebody listening in, kind of give them the overview. All right. So a number talk, well, there's actually a book called Number Talks, and it's written by Sherry Parrish. Get the blue book if you're looking. <laughs> Noted. Um. We'll, we'll have, probably put in the resources here too, so that'd be a good thing. Okay, great. Um, so a number talk is a series of problems for kids to solve that build on one another. So, for example, I might ask my kids to mentally solve 18 times 5, and they, I will give them think time, and the students all solve mentally. So no paper and pencil, no whiteboard, nothing. They put their thumb on their chest to show um, thumb up if they have one way of solving a, a problem, two is, you know, have two strategies and so on. And so the teacher is kind of monitoring to see how many strategies are popping up around the room. And after some think time is given, then the students share what they think the answer might be. So Did you say answer and strategy? So they share their strategy to get the answer. Right, but first we list all of the possible answers. Okay. So Oh, like, I see what you're doing. Okay. So somebody might say 90, somebody might say 110, somebody mm -hmm. might add the two numbers together and have like a completely wrong answer, right? right. So but you list them all with a poker face. Mm -hmm. And then you might ask the kids, "Okay, so which of these answers can we get rid of? What can we what do we know right away that it just can't possibly be?" Sure. So if somebody says 23, then you're going to yep. cross out that 23, right? So, um, and the kids will, will reason about why we're taking off the 23 and, you know, so on. What do you think learning process-wise is going on in that moment? The kids are really analyzing each other's thinking. Okay. Because they have to think about where the numbers are coming from. So if somebody puts 23 on the board, then the kids are all putting their heads together trying to figure out, hmm, I wonder where 23 came from. I think they ac accidentally added, I think they actually added 18 and 5 mm -hmm. together instead of multiplied. And so they're, they're doing this error analysis. But while they're doing it, they're not judging each other. It's just kind of like lifting the classroom up. And then the kids are, the kids that had a mistake are kind of realizing their mistake at this time. And so after that, we're ready to take strategies. Okay. And before we can get to that, because I'm just sitting here thinking as I'm processing through this the first time, that that error analysis is probably a step that doesn't come up consistently, I would think, in math, right? I look, look at the problem, and I solve the problem, and I give it to you, and then maybe you pass it back to me and suggest that I do an error analysis on my own. Right. But I maybe won't do that. But this is part of our culture now. Because, and that's what I love. Yeah. yeah. So keep going. Talk about that piece now, I guess, so, before we get into the actual strategies. So it's, it's kind of funny because when you do this on a daily basis, they always do an error analysis really in everything that they're doing, not even just the number talk. So they're, they're always trying to make a connection and teach each other and lift each other up as a community when they're finding errors. Okay. And they love to try to find out, oh, what did they think? What did they do? And even little little guys can do it too, even though, you know, for standards of mathematical practice, really the little guys only really have to analyze their own errors. Mm -hmm. But they're able to pick out the errors of others as first and second graders too. Gosh, and that's something that, I mean, I presented on it actually today because people will say, oh, you can't do this personalized stuff with five-year-olds and with six-year-olds, and you can. You can. It looks a little different. <laughs> Takes a little more creativity mm -hmm. in some regards because uh, you do have to work with the you know what capacities that they have, but they have a lot more than you think. 
to do some of these things. So that's awesome. So then where, where does that meet then these strategies to kind of get back to the progression you were talking about? All right. So it's part of our culture now. Totally. And, and so then that, so the next step would be what? So the next step is I'm going to ask students for strategies. And so I'll say, okay, let's just stick with the 18 times five. So I'll say who wants to defend one of their strategies. And so hands will go up and then I'll pick somebody and they start explaining their strategy. So recently I did the same number talk and one of the students said 18 times five is the same as nine times 10. Because if I split 18 and a half, I'll double the five and make it 10. And I know nine times 10 is nine. Whoa, I would not have thought to go there. Right? But little kids do because they think flexibly because they haven't been taught to memorize. Gosh. And if you don't give them the freedom to think flexibly, then they would just otherwise get it wrong. Maybe if that wasn't like... They might get it wrong or they might be like me, someone who memorized without any understanding. Yeah. So you're personalizing process. Right. And that that's a huge thing. Totally. And then... We started thinking about this whole double and half idea, and then um, they started to think about, well, if you keep going, you'll get a decimal. So then when I get older and I'm using decimals, I can go reverse, and I can multiply up and oh, get the decimal yeah. out. Wow. So that's really, gosh. So and, and it allows then for the progression of ideas, too. You're not just like sort of saying, well, this will work for you now, and then later on you're going to pay the price because you don't have the foundational pieces. It's just going to look different for you. Right. That's really cool. So then, okay, so let's say Johnny, student A, gives this up and is like, hey, double this, half that, cool. Then now what? So then either we'll ask, do you agree, do you disagree? You know, I'll ask the crowd. And then I'll move on to another strategy. And so somebody's probably going to say something about the distributive property. So let's just say the next person says, well, I knew 10 times 5 was 50, and then I knew 8 times 5 was 40, and I added 50 and 40 together. Mm -hmm. That's where I went, by the way. Right. right. <laughs> there you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, That's always a good one. Yeah. Okay. So you got that. So, so you know, Johnny said he what he said. Andrew said 90 because of that method. But you didn't say that 90 was the correct answer yet or no? No. Okay. That's what I was going to ask. Nope. I still haven't said anything about it being correct, but now we've got two 90s on the board. Mm -hmm. And then I might direct their attention back over to the 110 that somebody wrote as a possible answer. And then we might start discussing, well, is 110 reasonable? Should we cross it off our list or do we keep it? Does somebody want to defend 110? Mm -hmm. And so usually at that time, the kid that says 110 raises their hand and said, I found my mistake. I'd like to revise my strategy. Okay. And then they share their strategy and I record where they made the mistake too. And then we work through together to show where the correction could be made. So I don't actually guide that. The kids do. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So the kids are always in charge. I think that's the other piece with this. Is it's not just personalized in the sense that you process it, but it's also in who's at the center of the learning experience. Right. Yeah. That's really cool. And one of the things that I have found is that you can always find a chatty Kathy in the crowd um, that's going to go on forever and ever. About oh, gosh, those shirts. extroverts? Uh, I don't know any of those at all. Right? Not me. No, no, right. not us. Um, so anyway, there's a real skill in, in knowing when to kind of, I hate to say it, cut someone off. Yeah. Because you're losing the crowd. So one of the things that I've learned to do is if somebody is kind of taking it and running, 
I will stop that child and I'll say, what do you think Andrew's next step might be? And so that kind of cuts in and I'll say, Andrew, you can't tell us anything more. (laughs) What do you think the next step is going to be? And so then the kids are now talking about what they think you're going to do next. Mm -hmm. And then you only get to say yes or no, if that's what you're going to do. And you haven't arrested my progress or my like engagement. Like, okay, stop somebody else's turn. Cause that would suggest to me that I'm done with this conversation. Right. I really like that. Cause now you're the, um, it's like a guessing game, right? Yeah. It's like I know what I think. Let's yeah. see if you get it. Let's right. You right. Out. Now you're in charge. Yeah. So it's um it's kind of a, a way that I've developed to keep things on track and flowing and everyone engaged. What would you say to someone then that would hear this and go, okay, that sounds awesome. I see all the benefits of this, um, but I just don't have the time. I don't have the time to be able to entertain multiple strategies. Have you found it to be an issue at all, or? Um. Yes and no. I think people are relatively open to the idea. Mm-hmm. And number talks are only about 10 to 15 minutes for upper grades and try to keep it okay. 10 minutes for the lower guys. So I haven't run into people saying they don't have time to do number talks. What I've run into is people take the number talk and run with it and it's too long. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, usually that's um, that's what I've heard so far. Sure, that they just come up the conversation. English teachers have happened too, where you just get like get so wrapped up in it, and it becomes. Yes, I'm guilty of it. <laughs> just so, so at what point then? I mean, does this become repetitive to a place where it becomes that the students now sort of know how to go about this problem, and, and it's less kind of it's all talk, or is that or is that kind of your standard? Like every day, we're going to come in and we're going to work through this as part of the process, and then move on. Yes. So every day, I have. I kind of backwards plan, so I'll have a word problem picked out, mm-hmm. um, and then I'll have routines that'll go with it, but before I get to the word problem, I will do a number talk that's going to help them when they get to the word problem. So okay. So that way everything is connected, and if I'm going to do a division problem, then I'll do a division number talk, or maybe a multiplication number talk, or even a subtraction one, because you can use repeated subtraction to solve division. So I'm, I'm really thinking about the numbers that are going into my problem and how I think the students will solve the word problem. And then I design my number talk to support that. Wow. That's, uh, and, and thanks for sharing because I think part of the goal of this podcast really is, like, help me implement this. Help me to know, like, what I need to do to, to build these steps out. And so that's a really good tip, I think, for folks that are trying to wrap their brain around that. And so what have you seen then with regards to, it helped you, right? Like, you... Personally, I've experienced how this has been transformative a little bit. It's a game changer for me. Yeah, and your district obviously has bought into this to the degree that they're wanting to like create a position so that you can help others. Right, Um, number talks is just part of it. Yeah, but the district has purchased the number talks books, and you know we're on board. I've done PDs around it, and it's it's very important that people understand and and implement them in our district. Can you have one story of like a particular kiddo or situation that? was it kind of stands out in your mind i'm sure there's several you know as any teacher would but like um i'll pick your brain for one of those if you got it so i had a student well i had multiple gate students the gifted and talented education Mm -hmm. program and um one of my students in particular i found really hard to challenge and she she knew she knew a lot um and she but she wanted to know more and I wanted to make sure that I was meeting her needs and also the other students who had IEPs in my class. So 
one of the ways I found I could do that easily was through number talk. So um, my student Lauren needed the challenge. And so I asked her if she would think of things through a lens that was maybe a little bit deeper than our other fourth grade children were working. So when we were solving subtraction problems or solving fraction problems, she would think about the problems in terms of negative numbers and percentages. That's cool. And she just designed this all on her own. She started playing with numbers and then she would start using tens to figure out percentages. And then she would go from there. She'd break those tens in half to figure out what 5% was or add 5% to figure out 15%. So she, she really kind of just expanded her own knowledge. And she would kind of tag on to some of the other strategies that she saw other gate students using and then manipulate them with negative numbers and decimals and fractions. That's so cool because, so not only is this something that is going to allow, all the things we've talked about already, right? Control process, a little bit probably to do with pace, to empower me and put me at the center of like learning experience as the learner. But but doing so, like you can also challenge students and extend through this because now, okay, cool, good job you that you got three strategies. Mm -hmm. Can you get five? <laughs> and uh, Or come up with your own system mm -hmm. that no one's even like mentioned today right. uh, yet. And that's just really, that's interesting. It's awesome to kind of like hear that those experiences are going on for the kiddos. And any stories with like uh, teachers and kind of their feedback or their... Yeah. Um, so I walked into um, one of the teacher's classrooms that we had and he was... As a doing, coach, right? Yeah, as a coach. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had invited me in for this lesson and he um, was doing a lesson on subtraction of fractions. And the problem was four and one-third minus two-thirds. Gotcha. And so it, traditionally that would require regrouping. And his kids were asked to solve it, solve the problems in different ways. And then he hadn't thought about the possibility of breaking apart the two-thirds. Mm -hmm. And he also hadn't thought about the possibility of adding up. And both of those solutions came up. And he was like, I didn't think about that. <laughs> I wish I would have thought about it. So somebody said four and one third minus two thirds is the same as four and one third minus one third, which gets me to four. And now I just have to take off one more third. Yep. And so he was like, oh, I didn't even have to teach the regrouping. It's like, <laughs> right. That's the beauty of number talks. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Thanks for sharing those stories, too, because yeah. I think that also gives some uh, like applicability or at least a context that helps you to better understand what this looks like in those those conversations. So, I guess, kind of bring that all to a summation, you're going to advocate for this and maybe move the person who's on the fence a little bit about this by saying what? I guess, like, if they're going, yeah, this all sounds great, but, like, should I really? I'd say give it a shot because, well, it changed my life, that's for sure. And I have seen the confidence of children and the um, ability to lead in a classroom, have children lead in the classroom, just totally blossom using number talks and I've seen special ed kids making connections between other strategies that they hadn't thought of before because there's all different types of ways to think about something and so it's really been something that I would encourage everyone to try. Gosh and the way that you phrase that too though makes me I don't know why I'm just now processing this at this like far into the podcast in our conversation here but it just struck my brain the way that you worded it at that time you are, you are getting them to see 
that there are strategies. I mean, there's strategies beyond math. There's, there's strategies to anything that you're trying to get done. Yes. Anything. And that transcends even just number talks as a, uh, an experience, right? Like that that's to put them in that mindset. And that's really where we try to go with personal learning too, is like understand your learner preferences and understand that they're like, you are unique in a way in which you're going to be able to tackle any task that's out there, i.e. strategy. Yes. <laughs> right? it's, yes. just, so it's the same conversation, just in different like terminology. And I love that uh, to hear that in that uh, in the response. That was fantastic. It really helped them when they experienced any kind of trouble in, in life or problem. They, they knew that there were different ways to think about it. And it was just, it was so cool. And on the last day of school, we did a number talk. Weird. I know, right? <laughs> Who does work on the last day of school? I do. Good, um, good. Just because it was like our family. It was like our, our family thing that we like to do. Good and time together, yeah. we actually had some tears on our last oh. number talk. <laughs> so, I mean, it was that important to us. Wow. How yeah. powerful. So give it a shot. Gosh. Well, how are you going to turn that down? <laughs> right? You're listening right now. You might as well just get up and go work on number talks. Because that, I know I, I want to it. listen to that. Yeah. Uh, Holly, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate Absolutely. you uh, sharing your insights. And I appreciate all you do to kind of advocate for personalized learning and for kiddos and what's in their best interest. Uh, bring them, oh, to make them love math so much it breaks up the tears Especially when it's Especially girls. They are kind of shy in the beginning of number talks. In the beginning of the year, you'll notice that boys put up their hands and they don't care if they get the answer wrong. Whereas girls need a lot of extra wait time and they need to boost their confidence. So I actually have to make sure that I'm getting girls' names on the board right away. And I will not take more than two boys names i will make sure i ask a girl to participate and get her name on the board and then slowly yet surely the girls are empowered through number talks and and it's a 50 50 or the girls take over the show at the end of the year so <laughs> kind of come around and realize that it's okay to put yourself out there it's okay yes. to risk yeah being wrong and that it's just about going forward or, or being able to just understand that yeah you're just refining your strategy is that fair to say i guess in the way that absolutely Awesome. Yeah. Great. So thanks for your time today, yeah. too, Sharon, and uh, we'll hopefully have you on the pod soon. Again yeah, soon. absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.